0: Andrew Sterling is the senior pastor at St. Memorial Church in Toronto, and he had a ministry degree from the Haley, which I think is probably uh, our initial contact. It right? was. Well, yes. Yeah. And I'm sure there's stories to tell. The oh, there's stories from give back, actually, but yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andrew has been a great friend to the college in many ways, mm-hmm. and uh, is now uh, a lifetime fellow of the college and He's Ooh. here this week teaching a master class in preaching, which was yeah.
1: a <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and Grace, for
0: that.
1: I won't tell you where it started, but it's <laughs> going <laughs> Uh
0: We're really—I'm ex- so glad to hear that response because when we first thought of the idea of a master class, we thought it was a brilliant idea. But sometimes we think something is a brilliant idea, and everybody else does. So uh, I'll be, I can't wait to hear the feedback, actually, as the, as the week goes on. Thank you, Andrew, for being here, and we're delighted that you're here. And I'm sorry I don't have more time to spend with you, because you're in class all day. I uh, am in class But we look forward to what the Lord has uh, for us through you today, and I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Lord, thank you for your servant, Andrew. Thank you for his willingness to follow you when it costs, Thank you for your willingness, uh, for his willingness to follow you uh, when it demands something of him. Thank you for his willingness to follow you into the path that you open up for him. I pray that as he speaks to us today, Lord, that we would hear from your spirit. Deliver your words to our heart, Lord, and use him as your servant in this time, Lord. Bless him and keep him as he speaks to us today. From your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Well, it's lovely to be introduced by Anna, of all people, who has drawn me into the school as much as anybody has in the last few years, and so Anna, you're one of the reasons why I'm here, and uh, your commitment to the school and to Christ is infectious, it's infectious. Um, I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you'd like to follow along. And just a little bit of background, because I know that we have an eminent biblical scholar in our midst or two, um, that I have wrestled with whether or not this is a Pauline work or not. Uh, I have struggled with whether or not it's too advanced in ecclesiology, or the usage of words is more numerous than other books that Paul might have written, or whether or not it coincides completely uh, with all the geographical information that we get from Acts and elsewhere, Uh, I'm going to preach as if Paul wrote this, however, and it comes to the conclusion that I can safely stand on that because that's what it says in the text. All right. Got that out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Now to the real word. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom... I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. But from now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all, who have longed for His appearing. This is the Word of God. Let us pray. Lord, Anna has prayed for me that my words might become Your Word. I pray for this event when we all together hear what your Spirit says through your Word. Whether we are mature in the faith or young in the faith, whether we are just a seedling or whether we are a full-grown tree, it matters not. The seed of your Word grows within us all the time. May my words then speak of that seed, the Word of God earlier this month there was an article in the Toronto Star newspaper in Toronto and it told the story of a man who was surfing off the west coast of Scotland and he was a well known surfer he was a skillful surfer but to his absolute horror and shock When he went out into the waters of the west coast of Scotland, surfing, he was caught by a tide. And the story is told that this tide took him, despite all his attempts otherwise, to Ireland. He had started in Scotland, and he ended up in Ireland. Asked how he was able to survive this ordeal, he said, I stayed above my board as much as humanly possible, for anyone who knows the waters off the coast of Scotland and Ireland know that hypothermia is a natural disaster waiting to happen. But he made it. And this was the report and the account of his survival, of the power of the tides that can sweep us away and to have respect for it. It brought to mind a sermon, actually, that was preached at Timothy Eaton Memorial Church ten years ago by the former principal of the College. And Peter, who is, was the principal at the time, preached at Timothy Eaton about a situation that he had encountered on the west coast of British Columbia and the Robinson family, when, in fact, one of the members of the Robinson family on the Wanda Fuca Strait had gone paddling one day, and all of a sudden disappeared out to sea. For two or three nights, his wife stood on the end of the pier with a flashlight, hoping that he would come home, and was praying for his return, but it seemed all was lost. All of a sudden, though, when no one was looking and everyone had given up, he appeared, completely miraculously, out of the blue what had happened was that the tide that had driven him out had also had the power to bring him back. And when asked how he was able to survive, he just said, I never stopped paddling. The Apostle Paul in writing this particular letter to Timothy, a personal and a powerful letter that of course became universal and was spread far and wide was really about Paul sensing that the tide was turning in his ministry and in the church. He was sitting in a cold, damp prison in Rome when he wrote this. And whether he was a scribe or his own hand, it matters not. It was Paul who was conveying a message that this tide that he was observing was changing around him. It was a tide that was probably driven a lot by the persecution of Nero... And that there were early Christians, very early on, who were suffering at the hands and the fate of the powerful forces of Rome. But there was something more going on. It was going on within the church itself. And clearly, the Gentile Christians, who he was writing to predominantly, and to young Timothy himself was to suggest that, in fact, the tide was turning within the church that Paul had loved and founded and created so much. And what was changing was, and he uses graphic language, he explains what it is. People are exchanging truth for myth. They're exchanging sound doctrine for unsound doctrine. I love his image. People want to have their ears tickled, and they want to listen to preachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear, rather than to speak the truth. The tide was going out. All the hard work that Paul had put into the church, all the planting, all the preaching, all the suffering, it was like this tide was washing it all away. And then in one of those beautiful, loving letters, he talks to young Timothy. Timothy, who has been a follower of his. Timothy, whose family had known Paul, and Paul had known personally. He writes to a young leader, to a young person, and he gives him some instruction. The tide might be going out, Timothy, but I want you to remain strong. I want you to remain rooted in the Word, I want you in season and out of season, or I like the NRSV, when it's favorable and even when it's unfavorable, I want you to remain strong, to carry out your duty, and to preach the message, to preach the word. In other words, the tide might be going out, and there might be a social shift taking place, and there might be people in the church who are following along with it, but I want you, Timothy, to keep it that no matter where the tide is going, I want you to remain faithful. And there's something timeless about this, and a reason why I think 2 Timothy has lasted so long in our minds and in our thoughts, and why it's so powerful today. Because I think in many ways we're experiencing a tidal change. And for many of us, there is a sense that the tide of Christendom is going out and that all the things that we've had as a secure foundation are drifting away. Mm. And we wonder, what are we to do in the midst of all of this? How are we to deal with a changing tide, a changing climate that's all around us? What are the words to Timothy that help us know how to do this? Well, I think it's more about what Paul said about himself than what he said to Timothy that really is powerful. And he talks in personal terms about self-sacrifice. There's a sense in which he said, I have been poured out, he said, like a libation. Like a libation. Now, libation is not a word that we would use on a regular basis in our discourse. You don't go to McDonald's, and line up and say, I'll have a hamburger and a salad, and what would you recommend as my libation? (laughs) Lord only knows what would be recommended, but you'll probably be pointed to a washroom around the corner. (laughs) That's where... never never mind. Anyway, um, so, you don't use the word libation in your ordinary conversation. Well, if any of you do, let me know, because I'm impressed. But... A libation is, of course, a drink, but it's more than a drink, biblically. It is a drink that is to quench a thirst. It is a great drink. A libation is not just something that you just take willy-nilly. It is something that is powerful, and that it helps deal with a deep, deep thirst. Paul understands that he's being poured out like a drink. He's being poured out like a drink to a thirsty world. And he sees that thirsty world before him, and I suspect in that prison, and in the cold and damp, he's going over in his mind, moments in his life, when in fact he'd been poured out. Maybe he was thinking back to the Council of Jerusalem, which we talked about in class this morning. Maybe he was thinking back of how he had to defend his calling from the road to Damascus to be the ambassador to the Gentiles, and he saw it all falling away with the re of the faith, and the a priori of having to obey the law first, and fulfill the law's commands before you follow Christ, and how he took a bold stand, and he would not be beaten down from it, but he had to wear stripes of doing that. It can't have been easy for someone who was an apostle and not one of the original twelve, to stand up there on the Damascus Road experience and have the authority and power to say the very future of the gospel is at stake in the Gentile world. Maybe he was thinking back to other moments, for example, when he went with Timothy to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, he started to preach against paganism and against ...the other gods that were there, because he said they are no gods. And maybe there's the story of, of Demetrius, and who was a silver crafter, who made the silver images of the goddess Artemis. And when Paul came into town and he said, these gods have no power, you shouldn't worship any of these false gods... And all of a sudden there was a movement away from the idol worship of Artemis and those who were financially invested in making a profit on this goddess Artemis felt this Paul was coming into town. There was a riot and they drove him out of town and Timothy would have been with him. And maybe when he said, writes to Timothy, I have been poured out of the libation, he's going, oh, you were poured out all right. And I was with you. I know what you mean. You paid the price. You made the sacrifice, you stood your ground. The tide might have been turning against Paul many times, but Paul kept on passing. Maybe it's his perseverance that he wants from us. I love his language, you know, I, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, I've kept the faith, I've persevered. Timothy, I've tried. There's sort of a broken heartedness in Paul, but there is not a sorrow. There is not a glancing over his shoulder to some kind of old-time religion. There's no old-time religion in Paul. There's no looking back. There's no sense of remorse or grief. There is just this recognition, I've done it. I've done what I can do. I'm in my declining years, and I know that I am failing. And there's nothing wrong with being weak. There is nothing wrong to reveal your discontent or your discomfort. We don't always have to be up and full of praise and full of joy, and everything is going to be all right. There are moments when you just simply say, look, hey, I have fought the fight, I have run the race, I have kept the faith, the most important thing, and I'm done. I am done here. But I have done it. Amanda Lang, who is, as many of you know, a reporter on the news, and uh, was always, I thought, funnily, on a television program with Kevin O'Leary. Now, that would be my definition of hell, but anyway... <laughs> She, she was uh, in, a, in a panel discussion on business with Kevin O'Leary. She's now with Bloomberg News. She's a guru in business, but she's just written a book. And I was walking through chapters and I saw the title, not the author. And it grabbed me. It was entitled The Beauty of Discomfort. And it's for business people. It's not for Christians. It's for business people. But this is what Amanda Lang wrote. Some degree of discomfort is inherently good for you. It can spur you on, pushing you to test your own limits. Learning to tolerate and then embrace discomfort is the foundation for change, for individuals and businesses alike. Becoming comfortable with discomfort won't just make us more resilient and more successful. It will also make us happy. was a sorrow and a pathos in Paul, because he had this discomfort, but there was a profound joy as well. He had kept the faith. All the Lord ever asks us, in changing tides of culture and time and history, is have you kept the faith? Have you kept Paddling? I told my class, but it's interesting for others of you who are here too, that my heart was broken this month. And I said I wasn't going to repeat this, because it sounds that I'm banging the same drum. But the very first church that I served in Parsville, Nova Scotia, was decommissioned two weeks ago. The building was closed, and the congregation was dispersing. Most of it are ending up in the Baptist church. But it was sad. The tide had swung. Culture was changing. The congregation, for a whole manner of reasons, perhaps even loved its building more than it loved its Lord and forgot its mission. Who knows? Who knows? Who might say? But the tide had gone out when the tide goes out, it hurts. And there are a lot of people in a lot of churches in our society who are feeling that right now. But it's like from prison, Paul's talking to us. And he's speaking again like he did to young Timothy. You know, you are in season and out of season, in periods of success and in periods of failure, in periods where it seems that all is lost, you keep preaching, you keep paddling, you keep speaking, and you keep the faith. The Lord does not expect from us masses of success. The Lord requires from us faithfulness when the tide is going out because if we believe fully enough, then the tide is coming back in. And that tide that is coming back in is not a tide of our own making. And we might paddle in it, but it is the tide of God's kingdom and God's will and God's purpose. Paul knew that. He knew that he waited for something more. I am waiting for the crown of righteousness. The crown that is given to those at the end who have finished the race. Maybe it was a crown of thorns he was thinking about. The one that his Lord had borne. But he was waiting. He was waiting to see the tide come in and the Lord return. When I lived in Dartmouth I was a minister of Woodland. Early in the morning I would get up from the condo in which I lived and walk down to Lake Banook. You all know Lake for Most of you do. And the great rolling clubs. And at six o'clock in the morning The rowers would be out there in the mist and the cold, wet mornings of Dartmouth, going through their trials and rowing their hearts out. They were athletes that I admired and no wonder we've won gold medals because of it. God bless the And I would go and I would watch and I would be in awe of their brilliance and their strength. But there was something I observed that often the parents would go and they would watch the rowers. And they would line up at the end near the bridge where the end line was. And they would wait for them to cross the line. And the parents at six o'clock in the morning with their cheering section how many of them really wanted to be there or not is a matter for significant <laughs> debate. But they were there with their tins in their one hand and their arms raised in praise of their kids on the other. And the rowers came in. And it was great applause for those who won, and the first boat or canoe to cross over got massive applause, and they were the ones who were mentioned in the paper the next day. But it was the applause that the parents gave to those who came last that I loved the most. And they had run the race, they had finished the course, and they kept paddling to the end, even though they hadn't won. And when I looked at the pride in the faces of those parents, because of the endurance and the strength and the courage of those who knew they weren't going to win, but came across the line, I can't help but think that that is what our Lord and Savior was like with us. That whether the tide is going out or the tide is coming in, where people are listening to itching ears and unsound doctrine and all manner of things going on in the world, there is someone who is waiting for us at the end of it all with the crown of righteousness, and it makes everything else worthwhile. Keep preaching and keep paddling. From Paul. Amen. Amen.